This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Right wing, Waterman knocks down the triple. Big make for Noah. And pulls, fires, and scores. Top of the key three. Beautiful move. Up and in at the rim. Dawson Baker. Johnson for three. Johnson for three. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. We call it BYU Sports Nation. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Dave McCann. Happy New Year, everyone. We now welcome in the voice of the Cougars. Greg Rubel is joining us in Studio B. And, Greg, we were just talking about storylines we're looking forward to most in 2024. Some questions that we have certainly about what is sustainable for BYU men's basketball as they push into Big 12 play. So we'll start with those two topics uh, specifically Which storylines are you looking forward to most as 2024 unfolds? I think number one top of mind is, you know, can BYU make it to the NCAA tournament in its first year in the Big 12 in men's basketball? Because a few months ago, that was seen as very much a pie-in-the-sky scenario. And now it's much more likely. You still got to go do it, though, right? And and these next 18 games over 10 weeks will determine if BYU can take take all the positive that is built up in non-conference play and translate it into winning play in the Big 12 and make it to the NCAA tournament. Yes, the seed is high right now, and, and they're penciled in everyone's bracket, but you got to go do it. And that's the challenge they've got, and I, I'm, I'm thrilled to, 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 to be talking about the fact that it's a possibility. And I know they're thrilled to be uh, uh, embarking on this journey to get themselves to that spot. That's a huge storyline. Yeah. Um, and then I think you flip it to the fall, and, and, and more than just the quarterback, although that's a big part of it, how does this BYU offense rebound mm. and, and look more like the attacks we've been used to seeing with Aaron Roderick and Jeff Grimes of recent seasons? Because this last year was a real step back outlier. And can they get back to looking like BYU football again? What's amazing about sports is uh, football gets to five and two and uh, everyone's going, OK, you know, we can get to the Pop-Tarts Bowl or, or the, all of a sudden we are somewhere no one thought we'd be. And then reality came. We were picked to finish 11th. We finished 11th after losing the last five. So Cougar Nation is kind of down here. And then here comes basketball where everyone kind of starts down here. And now it's just this way. I, I think fans aren't quite sure yeah. what, what, what to think. And I've been thinking about this, too, that the comparisons, because football started 3-0, and 5-2, and and then, you yeah. know, ended up going 2-7 and in the league, lost their last five games. So basketball is now 12 and one. Are there parallels there? And, and yes and no, because even when football was five and two, they were five and two with metrics that weren't really viable. Yes, by the skin of their teeth. They were, they were, they were five and two because of turnover margin and, and red zone scoring and, and a general opportunism and some great field position. And when those elements began to kind of you know, trickle back and they weren't there anymore, the baseline fundamental metrics weren't there to sustain BYU football. BYU basketball, the baseline metrics are there. Yeah. That's what's carrying them right now. So, so the numbers, you can't, you can't fool the computers. BYU's done this uh, legitimately to get to 12-1 and one and put themselves at, at two in the net and three in the Ken Palm. They've done it with metrics that look viable. Now it's going to get tougher in the Big 12. There's no doubt about that. Some numbers may drop back, but I think some things will translate from non-conference to conference play. So I think where football and basketball differ is that, is that football was a little bit of an illusion at 5-2 and two because, again, there were baseline numbers that weren't viable. Yes. Where, where basketball's 12-1 and one looks, looks wholly le- legitimate, realizing now it'll be tougher to sustain those numbers uh, throughout the Big 12. Greg Rubel is with us on BYU Sports Station. Let's talk about that 
sustaining of mm -hmm. certain numbers for BYU men's basketball. Dave and I just gave our opinions. I feel like BYU is not going to go away from their dedication to shoot the three, Greg. I feel like 30-plus threes are still going to go up every game because of the way they play. Yeah. Can they make 12 or more? I don't know about that, but I feel like I, I'm very confident they're going to shoot 30-plus threes a game and that their commitment to rebounding is not going to go away either. The rebounding margin may not be there against some yeah. of these bigger, better teams, but the commitment I don't think is going anywhere either. So what do you think is the most sustainable? Yeah, the Big 12 is the best rebounding conference in the country. Uh, and again, so it may be tougher to grab some of those rebounds. BYU's been used to grabbing through these first 13 games. But I think a sustainable uh, stat or trend would be the three-point rate. Yeah. That is yes. the number they want to get up. I think they, they can still get up their 30 to 43s. That part can translate from, from non-conference to conference play. Um, the assist to turnover number, the true assists per game, um, some of those may come down if, if indeed the scoring numbers come. Can you, can you be a 90-point-per-game team in the Big 12? Uh, but I think, I think the rate at which they want to shoot the three can, can be a translatable stat from non-conference to conference play. And whether or not they're making 13 a game on average, like is the case right now, that may or may not be the number they get through. Uh, but I think as long as the rate stays where they want to be, they should be in a pretty good spot. Not a lot of teams get to add their best player back after yeah. such a run that BYU's on, but Fusini Traore is expected back on Saturday, barring a setback. Um, how does he fit in to this group now? Yeah, well, you know, they, they run it with Ali a different way, right? But again, Ali's not playing 30 minutes a game. They, they already know that, that, that they play it one way when he's on the floor and one way when he's not. Um, so they won't ask Foose to do all the same things Ali does. I, I think it's kind of great that, that, that they've got the, the variability and, and the versatility to, to play um, different post guys in different ways and challenge the opposing defenses that way. BYU is a real uh, handful right now to defend. They, they truly are. Um, you know, Mark, when Coach Pope talks about the 27 by 50, that's a real thing. Mm. There's a lot of floor you have to defend against BYU. And the fact they can do it in different ways with just the different big guys we're talking about. I mean, Atiki's already shown. They, they run it a little differently with Atiki than they do with Ali and so too uh, with Foose. Um, this is a really, really... Uh, it's a mixed bag for BYU offensively that makes it hard to just scout and say, well, we'll take this away, we'll take that away. There's just too many things. Now, we got a lot of play-by-play -play guys here in this group. <laughs> I, think, I think we almost call all of them. You throw Jeremy in here and we've got it covered. Uh, but on radio, you've got to use more words. And, and so you would be able to best relate to this question. Describe the ball movement of this BYU team. Because when the ball comes down the floor, it's over here, and then it's over here, and then it's over there, and then it's over here. Then there's a shot. And if it's a miss, it goes over here, it goes over there. And you've got to keep up. Yeah, in you know, hockey, uh, they, they use the term cycle. And I use it in basketball, too. The ball is always cycling. It is cycling, cycling, cycling. And, and, and you know, five out is, is a staple of this BYU offense right now. It, it, you know, it ping-pongs around until, until the best look is there. And um, that, that's just the great thing about it is the constant motion and passing up a good shot for a better shot, uh, as, as you're seeing. It's, it's just that's how this offense – it's a tiring offense to run. Yes. It's a more tiring offense to defend. And after a while, someone feels like it's going to get open. It's just, it's just so hard to stay on top of what they want to do. Uh, that, that, that's why I'm, just, I, I'm so excited about how that's going to translate into Big 12 play is what these teams are going to see from BYU. Because BYU is an outlier right now. The, the, the gap between the, – the, let's use this as an example. The gap between the number of threes BYU makes per game and second place in the Big 12 is equal to the gap or greater than the gap between second and 11th right now wow. in the Big 12. So, so BYU's doing it at a really extreme rate. 
And again, the raw number may come down, but that's how they want to play. They want to be a true outlier. How does the rest of the Big 12 re react and respond to an outlier offense in this league? There's an argument that Cincinnati could be one of the three best teams that BYU has played today, joining San Diego State and uh, Utah. And maybe they're right there with NC State, that type, that caliber of team. So as you look at the numbers for the Bearcats, and they just took care of Evansville, used like just a crazy second half. After to, being down at eight at halftime. Yes, yeah. went nuts in the second half and won convincingly. But what's your impression of Cincinnati and how BYU matches up with the Bearcats? Well, matchup is the word. They do exactly, they, they, they do as well at rebounding as BYU does. These are the top two rebound margin teams in the country. Out of 360 plus teams, these are one and two. And Ooh. they match up in, in game one here in the Big 12. So they do a lot of what BYU likes to do. Um, they, they excel in transition defense. Teams don't get loose on the fast break against Cincinnati very frequently. And BYU makes its living at about 18 points a game on fast break. And, and so, you know, Cincinnati's going to pick a poison clearly on this one. And, and, and if they say, we're just going to get back, how does BYU, you know, BYU's defensive rebound numbers and uh, since as Cincinnati's offensive rebound numbers may suffer, BYU's may gain as a result of that. That's one thing I want to see is, is re because both teams have out-rebounded all 13 opponents they've had. Wild. So, so neither team's lost a rebound battle yet. So who wins the rebound battle, A? How much does transition play into things for BYU, B? And then secondly, or thirdly, Cincinnati has played. Now, keep in mind, there are only two Big 12 teams that have played two true away games since he's one of those teams. They lost uh, at Dayton. And they lost at Howard. Okay, this is Ken Palm 236 Howard. They had to go to overtime to beat Howard. Um, they, they beat Stetson by eight. They've, they, they've had some games where they, they've won, but not convincingly. How do they handle a Marriott Center <clears throat> environment on Saturday night? Um, if, as Coach Miller noted yesterday, BYU goes on one of its patented runs in the first half, does Cincy go away in, uh, in the face of that, if that's, if that's indeed what transpires? So I credit Cincy for actually having gone on the road a couple of times. Sure, sure. But that, that Howard game kind of gives me a little bit of pause. And on that note, the one thing BYU's done this year is they're the best team in the country against the spread. They're not just winning the teams they're winning the games they're supposed to win. Right. They're winning convincingly. And I bring up the Howard game or the Stetson game to show, yeah, sometimes you win, but it's just kind of skinnier. There, there are no skinnier teeth games for BYU right now. They're winning convincingly when they're supposed yes. to. Yes. Who would have thought that uh, your love and passion for hockey would have prepared you to? Let's go. <laughs> Cycle it around. With all the cycling. Yeah. Well, let's hope for cycling on Saturday night. Yeah, that's deep. <laughs> it's been a fun thing for me to sit courtside at some of these games and think, yeah, BYU's playing okay, and look up at the scoreboard, and they're up 21. And I'm like, wow, they're up 21, and I don't feel like they're playing at, a, at their best level right and now. And that's one of the reasons BYU elevated to, to, to two in net and three in Ken Palm is they didn't just win. They, they, they won leaving no doubt. And, and, and even with the adjustment for caliber of opponent, <laughs> the metrics were so overwhelmingly impressive. Yeah. BYU had no choice but to go up and up and up. And that, to me, is maybe the most impressive thing about the team so far is they went to a two in net and three in Ken Palm before Big 12 play got underway. A lot of the heavy lifting has already been done yep. for this BYU basketball team. Great stuff. Greg, great to have you in studio, but thanks for the time. Always fun to talk about the Cougs. Let's and, go. Uh, let's look forward to the weekend. BYU basketball with Mark Pope is back tomorrow night. The coach and a player will take on a live studio audience with Greg as the host, 8.30 Eastern time on the BYU TV app and ESPN Plus, and perhaps there'll be more hockey fodder. Let's go. There should be. Noel Waterman is the scheduled guest tomorrow. Great. Up next, is Jackson Robinson BYU's best NBA draft prospect since Jimmer Fredette? 
The numbers say he just might be. This is BYU Sports Nation. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. And a tiki on the finish. Up for three. Khalifa in the bell. Beautiful pass. Live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Yes, this is BYU Sports Nation in the new year of 2024. And joining us now to help BYU basketball tip off Big 12 play on the men's side is John Rothstein of CBS Sports, elite college basketball analyst. John, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Guys, great to be with you. Happy New Year. I think we're all trying to figure out just how good this BYU basketball team really is. And if I can offer some insight into the collective BYU fan base, I think they're concerned that maybe BYU is a paper tiger, but John, they've been so good in all of these metrics. What do you think of the Cougars and their 12 and one non-conference start and how they match up against the big 12? Well, BYU right now is in position to be in position. Now, what does that mean? BYU has done the necessary work during the non-conference portion of the schedule to put itself in position to make the 2024 NCAA tournament. Now, a big hope for that is going to depend on how BYU plays at home in Provo at the Marriott Center, which you guys know better than I do, is one of the great home court advantages of college basketball. But if BYU can be a dominant home team, it is done enough early on to hear its name called on Selection Sunday. What's sustainable, in your opinion, about what BYU has done so far that could translate into Big 12 play despite it being significantly tougher? Tremendous balance. Seven players on this roster average between 9.1 points per game and 16 points per game. And the guy who leads BYU in scoring, Jackson Robinson, comes off the bench in a reserve role. So that type of balance is really difficult to prepare for. But we are looking right now at a new chapter of BYU basketball. You know, I still believe this, and I will say this, you know, ad nauseum. I think that the BYU team in 2020 that had T.J. Hawes, Yoli Childs, Jake Toulson was good enough to go to a Final Four. And I remember late in that year, prior to COVID shutting everything down, BYU had an incredible win against Gonzaga at home. Every single game that the Cougars are going to play from now (laughs) until Selection Sunday in Provo will have that type of an atmosphere. That is the best way to kind of give fans in Provo a sample of what's to come over the next two months. Let's go. I was having a good day until I thought about the 2020-21 team. (laughs) And a little tear is going to come out of my uh, face here. John Rothstein is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's play the hypothetical game, John. I'm looking at Iowa State last year, who was a good basketball team. They finished 500 in Big 12 play in a loaded Big 12 conference. They were a six seed. Is it safe to say or fair to say that BYU goes 9-9 and in Big 12 play, couple that with what they've done in the non-conference, would that be good enough to get BYU, let's say, a five or a six seed? Well, guys, I think you have to look at also the fact that West Virginia was sub-500 last year in Big 12 regular season conference games and was in an 8-9 game against Maryland in the NCAA tournament. I mean, we have to remember and we have to remind ourselves of this, and I think this is important for the fan base of BYU, your conference record has no bearing 
on whether or not you are going to make the NCAA tournament. The overall body of work is what matters most to the NCAA tournament selection committee. And that's why BYU's performance, beating San Diego State, winning neutral site games against power conference opponents in Las Vegas over Thanksgiving, that is what put the Cougars in position to be in position. But guys, you know as well as I do, this is only January. <laughs> yeah, we've got time. We haven't even seen the Big 12 play quite yet. We're excited about the Cincinnati game on Saturday. Cincinnati comes yeah. in as a team that has played well in non-conference, 11-2, but doesn't have a quad one or two win. What do you think of that matchup for these two in their first Big 12 games ever? You know, Cincinnati has only played so many games of significance this season. Think about this, guys. The only time that Cincinnati played a game during the non-conference portion of the schedule outside of the city of Cincinnati. It was a road game at Howard. Think about the games that Cincinnati played against bigger opponents during the non-conference portion of its schedule. It played Dayton in downtown Cincinnati, lost that game. It went to Xavier across town in Cincinnati, lost that game. So this is the first time that Cincinnati is going on a legitimate road trip to a power conference opponent. They obviously went to Howard, won the game in overtime, but we're also going to find a lot about Cincinnati out a lot about Cincinnati coming up on Saturday night in Provo, but I'll just tell you this, if you're a BYU fan right now and you're anxious and you're excited because you don't know what the future is going to look like over the next two months, you are better being in a position like BYU has today where you're going to have a slew of quad one and two opportunities in front of you versus a team like Gonzaga and the position that they're in. And, you know, every Friday I do a bracket breakdown where I forecast the 68 teams that would be in the NCAA tournament that day. I was just going over my numbers for tomorrow as I prepare to write tomorrow's bracket. And how about this, guys? Gonzaga's next opportunity for a quad one win will be February 10th oh, man. when it plays at Kentucky. I mean, that is what we're looking at right now for a team that has not missed the NCAA tournament since 1998. So while the road ahead is arduous for BYU, you are better being in this situation in a power conference than in a league like the WCC, which I don't want to take anything away from, has been a tremendous conference over the past couple of years. But given the fact that Gonzaga doesn't have a quad one win, given the fact that St. Mary's has been a disappointment, you're much better off being where BYU is than those other t two teams that it was competing with for so many years atop the WCC. CBS <clears throat> Sports College basketball analyst John Rothstein is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, John. What's the realistic best-case scenario and worst-case scenario that you think BYU has specific to the Big 12? Like, where, where would you put that window or maybe that fluctuation possibility for BYU? Guys, I made myself a promise a long time ago that I'm never going to speculate on speculation. <laughs> this is what I can tell you. When we have viewed BYU this year against elite competition based on who it's scheduled, it's done very, very well. It won the two games in Las Vegas. It lost a close game against Utah. It beat San Diego State. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If BYU can be a dominant home team and win the majority of its home games, BYU will be in the 2024 NCAA tournament. And that's just a fact of life. Ali Khalifa is leading the nation in assist to turnover ratio, and leading is probably an understatement. He is 14 yeah. to 1. Have you seen anything like that before, Crazy. let alone from a big man? 
No, I have seen, obviously, different programs through my 20 years in covering college basketball at the national level have different high post options that really facilitated their offense. I remember Rick Pitino had a team at Louisville in 2008, lost to Tyler Hansborough in North Carolina in the Elite Eight. But David Padgett was like a point center for them at the high post. But David Padgett did not have this type of assist-to-turnover ratio. <laughs> and again, it goes back to making the right evaluations in the transfer portal. Mark Pope saw something in Ali Khalifa that he thought would translate to BYU's offense. And now with backdoor options, with dribble handoffs, this guy in about two weeks is going to be on the vernacular of pretty much everybody who is a college basketball junkie because of the impact he has on the game without demanding shots. You can't understand Ali Khalifa's, obviously, impact just by looking at his offensive numbers. John, you mentioned BYU's balance. What's the most impressive aspect of the Cougars game, aside from balance, when you watch them play this season? Well, you know, I think you have to look at college basketball today, and I think we have to understand, and the COVID year has had a big role in this, that you are not going to win at a high level with a large volume of freshmen. I mean, guys, look at UCLA right now. I mean, Mick Cronin has been one of the best coaches in college basketball for a long, long time. He's been to 12 straight NCAA tournaments, went to the Final Four a couple of years ago. But UCLA is seven freshmen. The thing that really gives me great optimism about BYU, even though it's stepping up a weight class in the Big 12, is that when I break down the core nucleus of this roster, the only guys who are not junior and seniors that are playing a lot of minutes are Dallin Hall and Richie Saunders. They have certainly, and we heard this from Bill Self, maybe BYU is the hidden giant here because they've got so much experience, so there's a lot to that. Now, remind BYU fans where they can find more of your work because uh, they're going to want more after this interview, John. <laughs> Well, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at John Rothstein. That's John, J-O-N. I will obviously be on all season on both CBS Sports Network and CBS Sports. I'm also the host of the College Hoops Today podcast, the only college basketball podcast that comes to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. I also am the author of The Breakfast Buffet, a weekly, excuse me, a daily column that gives you a table setting on everything that's going on in college basketball. That's at collegehoopstoday.net. And also, I'll also be creating content all season long for FanDuel as we get set to, again, have another tremendous run as we get set for the NCAA tournament coming up here in 2024. Outstanding stuff. And hopefully you make it to the Marriott Center at some point this season, yeah? We will see, guys. You know me. I'm like Stallone and Rambo, too. I'm day by day. <laughs> Great stuff, John. Thanks for the time, man. Thanks, Joe. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Live from Studio B, he is Dave McCann. I am Spencer Linton. The Hampson name carries a significant legacy within BYU athletics. Nobody knows it better than current BYU Women's Basketball Center, Heather Hampson, who has a mom and two older sisters who are, frankly, BYU legends. It's something that Heather is proud of. Emerging from their shadows to make a name for herself certainly hasn't always been the easiest thing, but it's something that she is certainly attempting to do. This is Deep Blue. Teresa Spalding Hampson, one of the best players to come through here. 
She was a four-time All-American at BYU. She holds the school record in block shots. She also played overseas after she was done with that. Jen Hampson, absolutely. I mean, an All-American in volleyball and in basketball, like you don't see that a ton. I don't think BYU knew what was coming at him when she came. I actually trusted my mom from the beginning, but I don't know why I always fought her opinion for the longest time, but she was right. I absolutely loved it, loved playing basketball and volleyball, and then, you know, my siblings always came to games. Watching Jen play was really cool. She was dominant. And she sort of set her parameters, and she went and took pole sports, took the basketball program as far as they'd ever been to the Sweet 16, and then took volleyball to the finals, to the championship match. Even Sarah, uh, she was a big force here. Sarah played for the volleyball team and the basketball team. On the basketball team is where she really shined. And she challenged Teresa for the block shot record. And Sarah went in to try and see if she could best Jen. And then there's me, living my best life. <laughs> I mean, growing up, I was always perfectionist. I wanted everything to be perfect, and I wanted to be the perfect person and live up to the family expectation of doing good in school and in sports. That has uh, hampered her because the perception, yeah. right? There's six foot seven mom, there's six foot seven Jen, there's six foot six Sarah, and here comes six foot three Heather. Oh, she's short, even if she is a Hampson, doesn't really look like a Hampson. Is she really a Hampson? You know, we spend endless days answering fans. Yep, that really is one of ours. Growing up, it was just kind of shoved in my face of like, well, you're not tall, so like, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna be different? I think it was really difficult for me as a parent to, to see it going on and not really knowing how to help. And a child doesn't always come to you and a child doesn't always respond to you as a parent telling them, well, you're really good. She would make comments like, well, you're supposed to love me. You know, you're supposed to think I'm wonderful. You're supposed to think all of these things. But she didn't think of them that way herself. Wanting to be perfect was still such a mental strain on me during school. And so that just kind of made myself isolate myself from everyone. And just I need to focus on being the best in my sports and in school. But because of that, I was just so depressed and had so much anxiety and was not in a good place mentally in my senior year. In high school, we realized that it could be debilitating for her and it could cause some things where she just wasn't moving and going where she wanted to go. Having a mental breakdown every other day, that was normal. And so I remember my mom, you know, nudged me. She's like, hey, how you doing? Do you want to go talk to someone? I'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm fine. Like, I don't need help. And then I remember the turning point, I think, was when I was in the car with Sarah. And she talked to me, and she was like, hey, you're not doing good. You should go listen to mom, like, go to therapy. And she's like, this isn't normal. If you're happy, you wouldn't be breaking down all the time. And so I was like, OK. You know, I think it's important to talk a little bit about um, mental health as well. And I think that it's been something that people don't like to talk about sometimes. And I think that um, when they hear that it's okay and accept it and those kinds of things. After about like two months of going, I started to see a big improvement. It was really helpful because I was going into summer term for college coming up. And so I think I probably wouldn't have survived if I was still in that mental state coming out of high school. Time came to make decisions about college. 
know, Heather's playing high school volleyball and basketball, starring on both teams, doing really well. Getting offers to play both volleyball and basketball at a variety of schools. But BYU is not nibbling. I wanted to play at BYU, and so I think that kind of was hard, though, because I didn't really have a backup plan if BYU didn't work. That's just her dream, and that's what she wanted to do, and so that's what she did. She went after it. And Coach Judkins said, okay, we'll take a chance on you. Don't know if you're really any good, but we'll take a chance. I'll let you be a walk-on. She redshirted her first year, which I thought was smart. Again, another sacrifice where you're never going to get on the court and you're a walk-on, so you're signing up for just being a practice player. And she worked really, really hard for Jetty and made great progress and did some great things. She earns everything that she's gotten. She's earned a scholarship from me for the last two years, and I love that she just comes to work every day. She's the first one in the gym, the one on the days off, making sure she's getting shots up, so she's always working to get somewhere. Even though everybody expects this, you know, all-American approach to it because of who her family has been in the past. Whether she's the tallest in her family or the smallest, it, really doesn't matter because of what she adds to our team. There's a price to be paid to win, and Heather Hampson continually pays that price and does what it takes to be successful. So there's no doubt in my mind that on the court, off the court, success is going to follow her. I think that I, in the last year, I've seen leaps and bounds with her. She's just been far more willing to take those risks and work hard to get where she wants to be and gain that confidence. For a while, I was just accepted the fact that I'm just a Hampson and that's all I'll ever be, and I am, and I'm proud of that. But I am Heather Hampson. I am my own person, and I think it's important that we all recognize everyone as who they are and not group them with whatever we might categorize them in. And, and I'm a McCann. <laughs> We've got all our individual stuff about us, but what, a, what an opportunity for her to be in that family and for that family to have her in it. Yes, and uh, I, I buy into what Amber Whiting says, you know, like she's earned a scholarship for a reason, and I think Heather Hampson's going to leave her mark in, in a greater way than she has to this point uh, as she pushes forward through BYU women's basketball. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan, and we welcome in the longtime BYU football center. One of the leaders of the offensive line, the leader of the offensive line, he is Connor Pay. Connor, welcome back to BYU. Connor, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's good to be back. It's, it's good. To, it's good to have you back. We didn't know if we'd yeah. get you back, uh, but you announced that you're going to return for another year. I know you've said this out there, but not on our program. What went into that decision, and was it hard? It was hard, I think, because for most of 2023, I had anticipated that being my final season, just because of where I was at in terms of NFL prospects at the end of 2022, going into 2023, um, my, my stock was pretty high. And uh, um, obviously we didn't have the season that we wanted to have. And 
you know, when you don't win games, everybody's draft stock goes down, everybody. Um, and so, and we didn't play as well as we should have up front. And so, you know, when my stock started to go down, that's when I kind of had to, you know, start like, okay, what do I want to do? Do I, would it be wise to come back for my senior season or should I still go? Um, and, you know, that was, that was a hard decision to make, but, um, you know, as we got closer to the end of the season, I didn't think much about it while we were still playing just because, you know, just trying to win um, and get to a bowl game. But, um, you know, once the season ended and the, and the coaching change happened, that's when I was kind of like, okay, now I really need to evaluate what I, what I want to do. Do I want to return to BYU? Do I want to go? Um, and even for a time, transferring was on the table as well. Um, and you know, at the at the end of the day, with the coaching change, and you know, I'm a huge fan of Coach Woods. Awesome. And so after meeting with him a couple times, and you know, I, I bleed blue through and through, and so I did not I did not want to transfer. Uh, that would have been a last resort for me if things had not gone the way they were supposed to. But. Um, you know, the pieces got put in place and I'm, I'm happy with where things are at. And, you know, I, I love Kalani and I love A-Rod and, uh, um, and I felt like the best decision for me uh, was to return to BYU for my senior year and hopefully, you know, help out a little bit. <laughs> at one point I was looking at maybe the idea of only Waylon Lapuaho coming back because yeah. you could have gone, Braden Kime could have gone, Kingsley's obviously at the NFL draft. And then you lose Paul Miley, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, BYU's offensive line is, is in trouble. <laughs> gone. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But now Braden's back. You're back. Waylon's back. Uh, Caleb Etienne had his struggles for sure, but you got a new offensive line coach yeah. to help him. So, how much difference can a guy like TJ Woods make for BYU's offensive line? Huge, huge, I think. And just, you know, just in being around him these last couple weeks and actually, you know, not only sitting down and meeting with him, but then also doing field work with him because that's something I wanted to do to see what that was like and just how detailed and how intense he is with the coaching. I think that's going to make a world of difference for everybody in the group. Just uh, he's definitely he's definitely accountability driven. Yes. And yes. Thank you. Yeah, yes. That's been screaming we, for this. That's what we've needed. Yeah. Trust me. I've been screaming for it too. <laughs> but, um, you know, and I think just his details and technique too, and just, um, you know, someone who's going to push that day in and day out for the entire offensive line, uh, I think is going to be huge for everybody in the room, including myself. So you've been outspoken about that particular element of, uh, you know, last year missing and whatnot. What else was sort of uh, the difference between winning and losing and uh, the ability to run the ball and so forth and so on from last year? Um, I think, you know, there's, there's a million things that go into winning and losing, obviously, but in, in terms of running the ball, you know, I think... What's controllable from your end, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, and uh, I think for us, you know, they, they made some changes in, in scheme those last couple weeks, um, and... Having a quarterback that could run a little bit brings a different element, but still, even with that, a lot of what we were accomplishing was between the tackles. Mm. And, um, and I think uh, a lot of it has to do with, you know, just adjusting the scheme to where it's like you don't have to worry about anything else except destroying the guy in front of you, getting to the second level, getting a little more downhill uh, with some of the schemes. And, you know, the, I think those were wise adjustments. And then obviously having Aiden back fully healthy helped a lot with 
the downhill runs and then having LJ and Dion to kind of bring a different dynamic when they're back there. So I think, you know, at the end of the season, it all kind of just came together a little bit the way we had hoped and the way it was looking in fall camp um, and the way we were hoping it could have been the entire season. So, What kind of benefit or difference will having gone through a Power 5 schedule, game 1 to 12 for the first time, have on helping BYU get to where you want the team to be next year? I think it'll be huge, especially for, you know, the younger players, because um, now most of this team uh, wasn't on the team in 2020, 2021, when we, you know, and, and 2022, when we were playing seven or eight Power Five games in a season. Um, and, and so just kind of the gauntlet of the schedule a little bit, just week in, week out, um, that, that was new to, to almost everybody. Uh, and so I think having experienced that, knowing what it's going to take every single week um, will make a world of difference for the team, Just even, even if it's just from a mindset perspective. Um, because you, you, you preach things and you preach things and you preach things, but a lot of times it takes a little bit of real experience for it to sure. kind of set in a little bit. So. Reminds me of going on a mission. It's like, you can talk about what it's going to be like, exactly. but you have to actually go out there really know. and not exactly. know how to speak that language. Also raising children. <laughs> yeah, all of these things, right? Um, going to the I don't know job. anything about that one. <laughs> yeah, eventually, I am yeah. a mission prep teacher, and there, so it's there you go. I'm always trying to tell you know, the prospective missionaries that I'm teaching about these things, and then it's funny to get their emails like six months in, like, oh, this makes so much sense what you were saying now. And I'm like, if you idiots would have just listened to me <laughs> in the first place. But in their defense, you kind of have to experience a lot of those things. Connor, have you watched the safety zone? Do you yes. know? I, I was going to say, aren't you too zone. old? <laughs> no. I had the, the safety zone videos came out while I was serving. I'm so sorry. Um, and so I got to spend, I got to spend four or five mornings looking at your guys' faces <laughs> when I should have been proselyting. Now you know so. what now you know what the audience's problem is yes. now. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, those the, were great. Those were the best entertainment I had as a missionary. Th and that's saying a lot. Uh, I, know, I thought Lilo and Stitch was a legit good movie when I watched on my mission because I mission for Anyway, I was like, wait, this is, this is fun, but it's not like Star Wars. Well, I did. Well, no, no, no. Whoa, whoa, I watched whoa. Return of the King on my mission. Sanctioned. <laughs> Sanctioned. Two of the three were sanctioned. I'll just say that. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. Another day. I'll be honest. I don't Another know how day. I feel about that. We're not I don't talking know about. How I feel about that. We're not talking about mission <laughs> sins here. Or are we? All <laughs> oh, oh good. <laughs> okay then. Uh, the uh, on signing day. Not a lot of offensive guys signed. Um, does that give confidence to you guys knowing? Hey, we feel like we've got a lot in the room. Obviously, they can go to the portal later for more guys, but it feels like there's a lot of uh, young guys who are going to get an opportunity to factor in in the O-line specifically. Sure. Tell us about that group and kind of who's behind the, the guys that played this year that could be a factor. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys. I mean, you're obviously in an ideal world, you know, you can't survive with the transfer portal. That just isn't how it's going to work. You can fill a couple gaps, but just the, the exodus we had last year and then bringing in 30 new guys, like that was – that was great to help bolster us for the first year in the Big 12, but sustained success is going to come from high school recruiting and development of younger players. Um, and that's, you know, something that's been a little bit of a struggle in the offensive line room for the last few years. And, but I think those young guys have handled it in a really, in a really uh, positive way. Um, and, you know, outside of, you know, those, those four guys who are coming back to start games, you know, you got guys like 
Peter Falanico, who have been developing, Trevin Osler, you know, uh, Jake Eichhorn, Sam Daw, Sony Marcassini. You know, you have some of these guys who have been in the pipeline for a couple years now, um, developing their bodies physically, learning the game mentally. And, um, you know, I think, you know, everybody wants to play right away, but in, in most programs, especially great programs, you come in as a high school player and you learn for one, two, three seasons before you ever get a play. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, that can be the best case scenario uh, a lot of times. You know, in my case where I played pretty early on, in, in a lot of ways that can be a little more challenging than, you know, having that time to develop. And so those guys have a few years under their belt now, and so I'm really excited to see what they can do this offseason and, and, you know, push for starting spots. Well said. Amen to that. I'm all about redshirt a year, especially if you're coming off a oh. two-year mission. Oh, line two. You need a redshirt. Yeah. Year. And have yeah. a full year maybe where you just sit and learn before you even think about playing as a redshirt sophomore. I, I love all of that. Connor, it's great to have you in Studio B, man. We're so glad that you're back <laughs> at BYU. I'm glad to be back. Thanks for coming in, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks, guys. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Happy New Year, everyone. Alongside Dave McCann, I am Spencer Linton. You know what we should do right now, Dave? Feels like we should do the headline. Yes, we should. Let's make it happen, man. Men's basketball has been the theme in the show. They continue to rise in the polls. Number 12 this week in the AP Top 25. Number 12 in the coaches poll. Number two in the net after beating Wyoming 94-68 on Saturday. 12-1 now, beginning Big 12 play on Saturday when they host 10-2 Cincinnati. Also, BYU remains a three seed in Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology. So if you're 12-1 playing your first game in the Big 12, it seems like those numbers favor you. Just wild to me. Three seed in bracketology right now is just crazy. BYU women's basketball. Actually, before that, ESPN NBA draft expert Jonathan Giovanni gives Jackson Robinson his number 38 overall prospect position for the 2024 NBA draft. This is really, really impressive. Robinson leads BYU in scoring, averaging 16 a game, shooting 48% from the field overall and 41% from three on the season. They love his length, they love his metrics, and certainly they love his elite shooting capability. Number 38 overall, Dave, it, he's probably gonna get drafted. He's got a chance. You gotta keep producing, but he's got a chance. Women's hoops, Oklahoma tonight, Big 12 home opener. BYU coming off a 14-point loss at number 23 TCU. The Horned Frogs are 14-0. Oklahoma comes in 7-5, 1-0 in the Big 12. Coverage starts at 9 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN Plus with Spencer and Kristen on the call and Jason Shepard on BYU Radio. Both of these teams like to get up and down the floor. Should be fun tonight. And a little note from BYU men's and women's swimming who will compete at the FIU Sprint Invite starting today in Miami, Florida. BYU one of eight teams competing at that invitational. Good luck. What do they just go out in the ocean and race out there in Miami? <laughs> I don't think that's how they do it. But it's nice to be in Miami once oh, the meet's over, right? Hang out on South absolutely. Beach. Absolutely. Those are today's headlines. Now we whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marist, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Let's offer some opinions. What did you think of Jaron Hall's performance 
on New Year's Eve against the Packers? Well, I felt like Minnesota's offensive line was, in a word, terrible. And it was backed up by Pro Football Focus's numbers, who gave the Vikings their worst offensive line grade of any game Minnesota has played all year. I think it was 46.6. Anything under 60 is not great. I thought for the first time in NFL history, the Jets' offensive line went over to Minnesota and suited up for the Vikings. I just kept asking myself, am I making excuses, or is Minnesota's offensive line just playing really poorly? Now, I'm not going to say that Jaron played great, because he, nah, he didn't play well. He didn't. he didn't play well. He had some throws get away from him. But the Vikings offensive line absolutely did him zero favors. All the McCants were gathered around the TV to cheer him on and just wanted to reduce. It's such a hard job. Yeah. If it was easy, more people would be doing it. But, uh, but he's young. Let's hope he keeps getting chances. College basketball guru Jeff Goodman was asked to pick which team that's currently ranked in the top 25 that he thinks will do a complete nosedive, that's the phrase here, and wind up playing in the NIT and he chose BYU, citing concerns about the lack of tough games on the non-conference schedule and the Big 12 gauntlet. Dave, are you buying that this could actually happen, or are you concerned that this could happen? Sure, absolutely. Uh, like Mark Pope told us uh, before the game the other day about whether or not the team's Big 12 ready, he goes, I'm not sure. We've never done it before, but I like who we are. We, we just don't know. We've just never done it before. Um, you know, there were days when UTEP, Wyoming, New Mexico, Utah, BYU, they were all good at the same time back in the days of the WAC. This is nothing like that here in the Big 12. But uh, football taught us, okay, five and two, and we're ready, we're in charge here. Maybe we're not in charge. Uh, basketball, we were picked 13 out of 14. Don't think that's the case. We're gonna see. But 12 and one going in is about as best as they could hope for. The three toughest games BYU has played, the Cougars have won two of them. Okay, so even if BYU wins half of their Big 12 games, or even eight of the 18, they go eight and 10, they're gonna make the NCAA tournament and they're gonna be a single digit seed. Like a complete nosedive to me, in, those, in that phrase, that would mean that BYU wins like five or six Big 12 games. Yeah. I think they're gonna win more than five or six. So I'm, yeah, sure there's concern, but a complete nosedive, no, I'm not buying that. Uh, what will be the, uh situation tonight, the key tonight for BYU's women's team to beat Oklahoma over at the Marion Center. You're on the call. I, I'm going to scream turnovers, but yeah, no, you go ahead. You, you, that's number one. Yeah. Take care of the ball. BYU only turned it over seven times against TCU on the road against the Horn Frogs team that's ranked in the top 25 and undefeated and beat BYU, but only seven turnovers was a huge improvement. So that, and then can BYU defend Oklahoma's transition? Because when Oklahoma is running and gunning, and getting easy buckets, they're a tough team to beat. I know they're seven and five and they've had their ups and downs, but they play well in transition. Defending transition and taking care of the ball, absolutely. BYU does those two things well, they'll win maybe by double figures, Dave. Those freshmen gotta play like sophomores tonight. They're so young, but uh, but but great future ahead of them. For sure. All right, as mentioned in headlines, ESPN's draft expert Jonathan Giovanni has Jackson Robinson has his 38th ranked prospect overall for this year's NBA draft. So that prompts the question, is Jackson BYU's best legitimate NBA draft prospect since one Jimmer Fredette? Jimmer's the last to be drafted. So when you look at Kyle Collinsworth, Eric Mika, Tyler Hawes, Brandon Davies, Elijah Bryant, BYU's had some great talent come through yeah. that haven't made those first two rounds of the NBA draft. So Robinson's being thrown in that right now. 
then yeah, absolutely. He does have the best chance, but he's got to earn it. He's got to step it up and he's got to stay that way as the competition gets a little tougher. But but uh, he's such a fun kid yeah. and uh, always smiling. That ankle slowed him down a little bit now that it's back healthy. Yeah. He's got to light it up starting Saturday and earn a draft spot. None of those incredible players and names that you just mentioned were in the conversation as a top 40 NBA draft prospect at any point in their BYU careers. Yeah. Jackson Robinson's already there, and he's higher than that in some boards. So, yeah, he's the best prospect. No pressure, Jackson. Since Jimmer Fredette. But you got to play great. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation with our question of the day. What BYU sports storylines are you most looking forward to in 2024? Brian on X first asked to be BYU basketball. Mark Pope has this group clicking, and I'm curious about what damage they can do in the conference. Teams coming to Provo are in for a Marriott Center surprise. Can BYU win on the road? Can they finish the top half in the top half or higher in the conference? That's what he's thinking about. Pick to finish 13th out of 14 teams. Yeah, is it too much to hope for a top seven finish from this team? Frankly, Dave, I would take a top nine finish because I think nine teams in the Big 12 are going to get into the NCAA tournament. Like that, yeah. I think that was going to happen. That game at UCF uh, on the second leg of that road trip. Oh, man. They're picked 14th. Got to grab that one. Massive. That's a road game that BYU can and should win. Yeah. Sean Aurelian on Facebook says, I am most interested to see how BYU does against Utah in its renewed conference rivalry in all sports. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. It's great. And, they, and no one gets to choose to play. They have to play. <laughs> <laughs> Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated from Jeremiah underscore Hale on X, who says, 40-year anniversary of BYU's 1984 championship celebrated in tandem with BYU's 2024 championship. I like talking Big 12 championship or national championship? Is he going next level? Let's start with this one and then we'll include that one if it were to happen. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Let's give it to Fred Warner and his wife, Sydney, who we knew were having their first child, but we found out that it's a boy. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. What BYU sports storylines are we most looking forward to entering a new year? And BYU men's basketball finishing up their non-conference schedule with an impressive 12-1 record. But what's the most sustainable aspect of BYU's incredible start as they enter the toughest conference in America? Very good question. Also ahead, the radio voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, will join us to talk up Saturday night's Big 12 opener against Cincinnati. And we take a deep dive into a brand new deep blue with Heather Hampson as the women's basketball team prepares for its Big 12 home opener tonight against Oklahoma. And that's how we start the new year. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Lots of energy presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, January 3rd. I am Spencer Linton. He is a man who was so close to receiving an invite to Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift's New Year's Eve party, Dave McCann. I was going to wear this shirt because she (laughs) likes pink, uh, but it didn't work out. However, you know who it did work out for? Matt Bushman. Yes. Take Amazing. a look at this picture. This is incredible. With, with, with Matt and, uh, and his wife. Uh, and there's Taylor Swift and there's Kelsey. <laughs> this, is their, this, is their, uh, this is their New Year's Eve. Matt and Emily uh, hanging out with uh, 
Travis and Taylor uh, rolling in 2024. I'm telling you what, she, speaking of wow. the biggest name in, in, the, in the world right now, has changed the Chiefs. Yes, yes. If not their product, because they haven't been great this year, but she's up in the booth, and everyone's like, how many Taylor Swift cutaways are we going to see today? <laughs> the only I think reason, they bet on it in Vegas. The only reason Puka Nakua's jersey is probably not number one overall in the NFL is because of Swifties buying Travis Kelsey jerseys. Oh, yeah. Jerseys. His career has changed dramatically. <laughs> now, he hasn't, let's be honest, he hasn't caught near as many touchdowns since the relationship began yes. as he had before. But, hey, that's life. We all adjust to new things. Let the conspiracy theories begin <laughs> about... Taylor Swift potentially impacting the Chiefs and their chemistry. This is, it's wild. I've always appreciated the joke, too. Like, oh, yeah, that's Travis Kelsey's girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> so how was that? It has nothing to do with Taylor Swift. How was the holiday? It was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, energy's good with BYU sports and BYU basketball specifically. It was nice to take a breather, watch the magic unfold of Christmas with you, uh, through my kids' eyes. And I, I know you know all about that. I mean, you've been doing it for a long time. Sure. They certainly take an impact on the – you know, the bank account as well. Oh, yeah. But it's totally worth it when you see the magic in their eyes on Christmas morning. That's and why then... we come back to work in January, to yes. uh, pay for the magic. <laughs> yeah. But after the ball game the other night uh, against Wyoming, we had a couple of guys, one from Virginia and one from uh, Idaho, came down to talk to us. And they talked about how much they love this show. So uh, the folks in Virginia watching today, they're big fans of yours and Jerem and, and BYU TV. But anyways, nice to get yeah. some out-of-state yes. type feedback on... Cougar Nation, and you're right, there's momentum going into 24 like we haven't seen in a long, long time. Absolutely. I'm always humbled when we travel specifically and meet people outside of the state about the power of the BYU sports brand yeah. and what we get to do in this building at BYU Broadcast. We're like a 7-Eleven with endless amounts of Slurpees for BYU fans. <laughs> Let's go. That's just where they come. This get, is where they come. Get your Slurpee here <laughs> in the form of what's trending but BYU was just that unstoppable force. The way they're playing is really fun. Full fire, score for three! Turnaround jumper, go! There it is! They're sitting now, is just unbelievable. Nobody expected it. Tyler Haas said it best. Nobody expected this. 12-1 BYU basketball, ranked number 12. They're a top four team in Ken Palm and in net. Depending on the day, day they besides number two, you know, they're, they're yeah. fluctuating between number two and number four here. It's just been a wild ride. As always, what's trending presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Okay, so now that the non-conference is official and BYU's only setback is to Utah, they've got quality wins against San Diego State and NC State, most notably, most recently taking care of business against Wyoming in a very impressive fashion. So. Dave, I, I think the question is, as we push forward into the new year, after 13 non-conference games, and with things being otherworldly good for BYU, what is actually sustainable once BYU enters the toughest conference in America in the Big 12? Excellent question, because a lot of people think that reality is just going to show up starting Saturday night, and then all of a sudden... Uh, BYU is going to be outmanned, outmatched, outcoached, outperformed. Uh, but the numbers show that um, that may not be the case. And I think that's a reason for hope and there's a reason for guarded, uh, um, guarded optimism. But last year, last January, BYU was 181 in the assist-to-turnover ratio stat. And now they're number one. 
That's um, unbelievable. That 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 is a, a, a thing I'm looking at that they can sustain. Okay, so you're you're buying into that even against the toughest competition in the country. Yeah, because turnovers are turnovers, and they can come against you know turnovers. A lot of a lazy performance on a lot of uh, a, a lot of times, and and if you're sharp in taking care of the ball. And this is a team that and you see even in this video, they'll pass up a good shot for a better shot. See that right there? Jackson Robinson could have shot it. Dallin Hall could have shot it. Jackson and now gets it's Robinson back eventually. Again, and he knocks it down. Passing up a good shot for a better shot has been the theme of this team. It's allowed them to uh, distribute the ball to the shooters, and the shooters are going to shoot, and this is a group that shoots. Um, that I think they can contain as they go into these different environments because that's on them. You know, Kansas can throw out five seven-footers, uh, but it's on BYU whether or not Spencer Johnson's going to throw a bad pass. Um, and, uh, and so I, I think that they can sustain that. If they can sustain that, then they've got a shot at being in these yeah. games. So turnovers are brutal. Last year, we had games where they had 24 turnovers. Uh, the other night, they had three. So it's, this is a different concept, and you can maintain this concept because it's within the team. Yeah. Like Mark Pope says, I like, we know who we are. I like who we are. This is who they are. And if they get out there and they start turning the ball over a million times, that's out of what they've been. Sure. I think they can maintain it by, by re remaining with that identity of who they are. Well, I asked Mark Pope the statistic that he cares the most about after 13 non-conference games during the post game after BYU beat up on Wyoming. Yeah. And without hesitation, he said, it's our ability to take care of the ball. They want to be at 10 or fewer turnovers every game. And they want to be north of 20 assists every game. They want to have, at least as a team, a 2-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio. Think about that as a team, Dave. Like, a 2-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio is like a pretty good number as a player. 3-to-1 is kind of like what individuals shoot for, unless you're Ali Khalifa and you're 14-to-1. Yeah, he's really skewing the whole team <laughs> number, too. But they want to be fewer than 10 turnovers, and they want to have more than 20 assists per game. And I think because BYU is, they have this unwavering commitment to who they are, which is we share the ball, we're very unselfish, and we're going to go, on the defensive side, we're going to rebound the heck out of the basketball. So I'm with you to a degree. Like, I think BYU will continue to share the basketball. It's just going to get tougher to share it at the high level that they have been because defenses are going to be markedly better. BYU is going to run into Utah's and NC State's and San Diego State's basically night in and night out in the Big 12. But BYU won two of those three games against opponents I just referenced. Did they not? Do, doing what you just talked about, sharing the basketball. Remember against Utah, one of the reasons they lost to Utah, and they still had a million chances to win it, make some free throws and win that game anyway, but, but there were so many, so many isolation plays yeah. where it was like four guys standing around and Spencer Johnson's backing in or – or, uh, or Jackson's backing in, or somebody else, and then they'd turn around and take the shot, and there wasn't anyone to rebound because no one's moving around. And they had like four or five possessions of like that almost in a row, and Utah was able to get up to a 16-point lead, and they, and they had enough to hang on to. But that wasn't them. They haven't done that since. Uh, and when they do that, and you see it in a game, you'll know that either the shot clock's winding down and somebody's just going to take the shot. But but they, they, I think they learned from the Utah experience that that's how to get beat. And that's how to get beat in the Big 12 against teams that are taller, yeah. uh, like, like the Utes were. Um, but the way to offset that is avoid that because you know what it is. And don't let Cincinnati bait you into that. And, and that will be a challenge because they're playing good teams. Um, 
But, but I think that, that Utah experience taught them when we go back to our old self, like they were a lot last year, mm -hmm. th then they're not themselves. They're not the team that's 12 and one. Um, it, maybe if they'd squeaked that Utah game out, they might not have learned that. And now they're thinking, hey, we're 13 and 0, we're invincible. And then a team comes in and shows you that, that you're not. Uh, that taste up there in Salt Lake, I think has a lot to do with how they've responded. BYU's numbers, and we just showed you, like you're looking at a team that is best in the country. I need to remind people that this isn't like college football where there are 133 teams. There are over 350 Division I college basketball teams in the country. Yeah. You get five guys and a coach, you're a team. Three, 350 plus. So BYU is number one in rebounding margin and in assist to turnover margin. They're fifth in scoring at over 90 a game. How do they sustain this in the Big 12? I tell you what I absolutely think they can sustain, and that is... BYU's going to shoot a ton of threes regardless of the competition. Yeah, that ball's going up. They're going to put up 30-plus three-pointers. That, to me, is the most sustainable thing of this whole effort and, like, a dedication to who BYU is. Could be. They have embraced it. It's not going anywhere. Will they make more than 12 a game out of the 33 attempts that they're putting up? Almost 34 a game? I don't know. But I think the key to, for BYU to continue to win games in Big 12 play – is to fire up those 30 plus threes a night. And if you're in double figures, if you make, if you go 10 for 30 or 12 for 31, you're gonna win a lot of basketball games. Yes, even in the powerful Big 12. So they, they can keep that commitment yeah. to that scheme. And I don't think that their dedication to go and rebound the basketball because it's an attitude, it's a mindset. I talked to uh, Noah Waterman, a number of the guys about this. Like, what's the, di like, what's the deal? Why, why is the rebounding so good? And they said, it's just a mindset. Like, it's, it's everybody goes to the basketball. Why would that all of a sudden go away? Like, yeah. they are who they are. They're committed to that. And so rebounding and firing up three-pointers are probably the two most sustainable numbers to me. What drove Wyoming's coach nuts was not the initial three-point shot. It was the miss and the rebound, the kick out, and the second three-point shot on the same trip down the floor. And BYU hit so many of those on, sat on, uh, on last Friday, and it just drove him crazy because you're defending the first one so hard. <laughs> and then there's a rebound, and it's like, are they going to attack the basket? No, they're going back out there. And there were a couple of times BYU shot four threes on one trip down the floor because that's what they do. And if you hit it, you head back down to play defense. Um, and, and they're so tough to defend because – a long rebound off a missed three is anyone's ball. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, someone else is sitting open, ready to shoot his three. And uh, it's, it's entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're the opposing coach, <laughs> for sure. Expectations shift, for sure. And, uh, I mean, before we transition into topic two, I just want to ask you, how many games are you expecting BYU to win in the Big 12 right now? Because going into the season, I was hopeful for six, maybe seven wins in the Big 12. That number for me has now shifted to nine wins and gulp. Maybe BYU could have a winning record in the Big 12 at 10 and 8. Well, if you look at ESPN, they project BYU to have a big month in January and February and take second or third place. They're favored in it's the crazy. majority of the game. So are, where I know, are you? I, I feel like they can defend the home floor better than I thought they might. Okay. Uh, and they get, what, nine games uh -huh. at the Marriott Center? Uh, let's, say, let's say they win eight of those. That gives them 20 wins before they go out to fish for some wins on the road, and they play nine road games. Okay. Now all of a sudden you're going, pick off three on the road if you're hitting your threes. Maybe that's optimistic. But let's say you get two on the road. Now you have 22 wins. 
I know what your seed is in the NCAA tournament. It's better than it's been well, in. Yeah, it's a four seed. <laughs> in ten years. You have years. a winning record in the Big Twelve. You're going to be like at worst a five seed. Yeah. It's going to be incredible. It's fun to be optimistic, and then it's fun to have the numbers to back it up. Woo. All right, our second topic as we, we close the door on 23. Uh, 2024 is here. What BYU storylines are you most looking forward to here in the new year? I think it's the pursuit of a second Big 12 conference title for me. That, that was When the question was brought up in our morning meeting, that was immediately where my, my mind went, was BYU was so close in a number of other sports – Women's cross country got the only one, and they're still the team that has the only Big 12 Conference championship trophy. And soccer got right BYU to that women's game. Women's soccer was right there. So they, they couldn't take the regular season from Texas Tech. They lost in the, the tournament championship against Texas, so they just missed that. But they got to the College Cup. And so you want to weigh things. Getting to the College Cup, yes, it's greater than winning a Big 12 title. But I want to know, women's volleyball – Good team. Can they get to that elite tier and really challenge? Now that Texas is leaving, Texas has been so unbelievably good. Yeah. Texas is going to the SEC. So can BYU women's volleyball take over that top spot and be the best in the Big 12? I just wonder, what, who's going to be the team that wins the next Big 12 Conference Championship trophy? And I look forward to the pursuit of that in 2024. Getting Oklahoma and Texas out of here opens the door for a whole lot of It things. really does. For everybody. For a lot of sports. Yeah, my storyline for 2024 is when this BYU football team goes to Salt Lake and beats the U2 <laughs> uh, on Thanksgiving weekend, which we anticipate that's when the game will be. And we might know in a week or so when the schedule is supposed to come out. But uh, there hasn't been a conference game uh, over Thanksgiving weekend between these two since 2010. And this is going to be the first time as members of the members same of Power the same 5 conference. Power, no, no one gets to act bigger than the other one. Uh, the last four games up in Salt Lake have been decided by a combined 13 points. Nuts. Um, I, I love the, the fact that I, I'm glad the game's in Salt Lake. It'd be fun to have it here, but, but take this show on the road and go up there as a Big 12 foe and, and get after it. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions with this BYU football team, but Utah's got just as many. Um, 2021 is the last time they played. We watched BYU dominate the Utes in every single category in that game. Not just who was the quarterback or who was the linebacker, but every single category. And, uh, you know, you look around, BYU had a few NFL guys out there on that field. Yeah. Uh, and a few more that could have been, including Jaron Hall throwing the touchdown pass and, and of course, Samson with the touchdown. But what a big night was the day after BYU was invited to the Big 12. So that was quite the weekend. Now they got to reunite. Up in Salt Lake is Big 12 foes, and they're going to play every year henceforth, yeah. as it should be after this, you know, dozen-year hiatus. I love it. Yeah, uh, that's the storyline for I me. I look for. I love it. The rivalry banter, and not just in football, but in every sport, right? Every sport. Now BYU and Utah are competing in every sport. Yeah. And you know what? Our as Twitter, it should be. Our Twitter feeds spike when BYU plays Utah because all the Utes come over and try to get their two cents. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who in the world is going to be the quarterback for BYU? is another storyline to look into in 2024. Is it going to be Jake Retzloff, or is it going to be somebody that comes in through the transfer portal? There have been ideas, and um, I don't want to call them rumors, but that's kind of still where they are. Yeah. Yeah, of certain certain guys that um, one of a former – Baylor quarterback. We can't yeah. mention his specific name because we're not allowed to until he's officially signed. A UNLV kid just went in the portal. Okay, so there there are names out there. Mm -hmm. You know who's going to be BYU's quarterback that's competing with Jake Retzloff for that starting position and starting in Salt Lake City in late November. That's going to be fascinating for spring practice. 
because uh, I don't know the answer. I was thinking about that the other day on a, on a walk up the hillside. And I was thinking if Jake had handed off to Aiden Robbins to beat Oklahoma. Now, they, now they, beat Oklahoma. they beat Oklahoma. Now Jake Retzoff is a winning quarterback and he's played in a bowl Oklahoma. Game. And he's played in a bowl game. And then I'm thinking that for him would have been, I think he would have gotten oh. the keys to the car. But the fact that it didn't work out, How and then it didn't work out that? the following week, and now I can't answer the question who's going to be the quarterback. Uh, it makes for an intriguing spring, but uh, I don't know if we know the answer. I don't know if we, we have the person who it's yes. going to be. Yes. Um, that's, a, that's going to be a huge storyline. Whoever the quarterback at BYU is always a major storyline. No question. It's, it's probably the number one topic, <laughs> more, like more <laughs> often than not. Yeah. You know, we're going to talk about it a within few all of BYU sports. Like, what's the typical like turning point question, or the one that triggers people the most is the starting quarterback position at quarterback U. Yeah, for so many decades. Yeah, blame everyone who came through. Okay, and then let's go ahead and circle back to what we were talking about in topic one: is what what seed is BYU men's basketball going to have in the NCAA tournament? I think we've all kind of accepted that BYU will be in the NCAA tournament. And I don't think that that is being blue goggled at all at this juncture. They're going to get in the tournament, but are they going to be a double digit seed? Are they going to, you know, have to really fight to get in there as an 11 or 12 seed? And, and it's going to be a struggle through big 12 play, or are they going to continue to surprise people and be like a four or five seed like that? That's another storyline to watch in the new year. Yeah. It feels like eight feels like eight under the worst case scenario of going in and getting knocked around, considering they're a two before, League play starts. It's unbelievable. But uh, we'll ask Gregory Bell that question in a minute. Start right. thinking about that, Gregory. And we're asking you the following question of the day. Which BYU sports storylines are you most looking forward to in 2024? Graydon Larson on Instagram answers, definitely BYU men's basketball making the tournament as a six seed okay. or better and doing some damage. Whew. Just to, just to put it in perspective, West Virginia went 7-11 and 11 in Big 12 play last year, and they were a 9 seed. If you win 50% of your games in the Big 12, like Iowa State did last year, they were 9-9. Nine and nine. I think they had 20 wins going into the tournament. They were a 6 seed. But they had a, they had a scenario where they lost, I think, I want to say like seven of their last nine games, and they still got a six seed. But that's yeah. how tough the conference is. That's so, how big Saturday's game is. My goodness. Because Cincinnati's never played a Big 12 game either. So just get it while it's Let's hot. Let's go. Take advantage of that home court in the Marriott Center. Hashtag BYUS on X, Facebook, and Instagram to join that conversation. Speaking of the Cougars, up to number 12 in the poll. Conference play Saturday night. 12-1 BYU, 10-2 Cincinnati. What a matchup to fire things up. Pre-game coverage starts at 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. You know, a year in, they got a year under the belt, and they're getting more and more capable about making adjustments. We weren't perfect tonight, but the guys were great. It made us super fun. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Game day eve for BYU men's basketball as they approach 
Big 12 Conference play and to help us tip off Big 12 play, there's only one appropriate figure that can do so. That is the head basketball coach at BYU, Mark Pope. Back in studio, be a coach. Welcome. This is the look nowadays, right? The sweatsuit, like you're yeah, ready to go. Yeah, and I'm matching. I'm matching. You know, last year I was an unmixed match, and this year I'm matching, and I just feel swaggy, man. When I, I just do. It's just, is, <laughs> it's like a new me. We need to start. It's with like a, a good hair question. day. You know, you have a good hair day, and you're like, woo, let's go. At what point? Because you had a cool flat top in yeah. Kentucky. At what point were you like, I could still grow my hair out, but I'm just gonna buzz it? No, no. Because this is a choice. You don't understand. I rate, I rate my hair every day. Like this, I'm a, I'm a, I'm in the middle of a great hair day. I mean, look at this. <laughs> Yesterday, not so good. I was on the well. show last night. It was great. I was like, ah, hair just not doing it right. But today, it's <laughs> this been morning fantastic. It's yes. Yeah, you don't have to tell us. <laughs> Okay, I'm serious. We should start every interview that we do with a fashion question. For sure. It was about your tie the last time I talked that's, to you. That's okay? right. That's right. We came out of Christmas. Mark's yeah, just blowing up every Spencer interview no, now after. I'm, all, I'm for it. Like, let's just go fashion. Get As it out the of the least fashion-oriented person in the world, yes. Leanne's got you. <laughs> We've been discussing on the show where BYU, we feel, is the most ready for Big 12 play on this men's basketball side. Maybe where there are some question marks. So let's start there with you. You know better than everybody else. Where do you feel like your team's most ready to hop into Big 12? We've been talking about this for the last couple weeks, but I think in terms of our identity, in terms of us, when things get hard about us leaning into what we do and who we are, that's the place where I feel like I I, I have some security. Our team has some security. Is just um, we have somewhere to go, right? Um, When things go bad, where do you go? And I think our guys know where to go. Uh, It's a matter of uh, our faith in doing it, right? We gotta we gotta continue to grow our faith in doing it, but at least we know where that is and and um, that's nice I think there's a lot of teams that are kind of rolling through the season right now that still don't exactly know how they're built what they're about and where they're going to go when things get tough I think our team does what's the latest on Foose and his availability who's been great uh you know he he made it through a full practice ish yesterday uh we'll see how he is today and then it'll be kind of a game time decision uh Saturday but we're super hopeful okay how does he affect uh things in terms of uh, the X's and O's slash the rotation at this point because yeah it's hard to pull anyone off the court right now yeah. everyone's playing great Atiki's probably played his yeah. two best games at BYU Ali yes. of course is leading the nation in assist turnover ratio and whatnot making threes yeah these three guys uh give us such different dynamics I mean Atiki is is gives us an aerial attack that is so important it's another dimension to the game that's really important to us uh Ali gives us this you know back 30 percent of our offense that is just unleashed when he's on the floor that most teams don't get to experience and, and that we do and gives our guys a whole nother opportunity to work together and Foose is just this 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 kind of immovable force on the glass and in the post and and kind of his as a short roll guy and so they all bring really different things to the table that are super important for us and and uh, we'll you know if, if we can you know, magically keep them all in some state of health. We'll try and get you know a couple of those guys on the floor at the same time. It's going to be a it's going to be a work in progress that we haven't had a chance. We really haven't had one day to work on it so far. So that's going to be a, a, a in progress uh, rich person's problem that we get to have through the course of the conference season. So just break it out in Big Twelve play, yes. which <laughs> yes. is really fun. Uh, with Foose, is he if he's available? Do you bring him off the bench to start? Is yeah, gonna, uh, yeah I think, I think uh, for sure right sure. now where we're still trying to, it's going to be a game time decision. We'll for sure bring him off the bench, and that's going to be, um, I mean, come on. That's a real luxury. Who, who has a chance to bring? You think about it, you know, we could be bringing. Jackson and Foose off the bench. <laughs> and, and Richie Saunders, <laughs> you know, the most efficient offensive player in the country, and, and uh, it's pretty exciting. 
Mark Pope is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Maybe you already answered the question as far as like your biggest question mark because it could deal with the roster and injuries and who's available. But if it's not that uh, and, and it's just a scheme question, what, what's your biggest remaining question mark about this team? Um, well, listen, we, we just, you know, it's, we're in the same place every team is in the country except we're doing it for the first time, right? So uh, one of the fun things for us this year is we essentially have a 31-game non-conference season. That's how it is for us in the sense of like every single thing is new. If we were in the WCC, we'd kind of, we know exactly what it feels like to go to Gonzaga or go to San Diego or go wherever. And um, we know what feeling, playing those teams in general, you have a sense and it's kind of the magic of conference plays. There's the familiarity. For us, it's not. Um, and so um, that's really exciting for us. And so the, all the question marks lie in that. And then, of course, the big question mark for this conference is um, how can you be resilient through the course of the conference? It's, it's 18 games. Every single one is a toss-up. Um, there's no gimmies. Uh, and it's, it's great basketball every single night. And so that's a new experience for us that, that BYU basketball has never faced before. Um, and I can't wait. Like um, the guys are excited about it. We're excited about it. We understand. You know, we have no idea what we're going to get, but we know exactly what we're going to get. We know we're going to get punched in the mouth. We know there are going to be moments and stretches where people are like, they have no chance. It's not working. And then we know there's going to be stretches where people are like, man, this is incredible what this team is doing. All of that's going to happen. It's all going to happen. And um, and so let's go. What's the best part about being so good so far? and having some people question sort of the sustainability of certain aspects yeah. of this, but knowing that you're going to compete no matter what at a probably higher level than maybe at the beginning of the season yeah. uh, when, when you roll it out, and now you're like, hey, we're going we're gonna to be in this uh, way better than maybe even we thought. Yeah, well, it's, it's nice. Um, this is going to sound a little arrogant, but it's not. It's, this is actually pretty factual. When you're a top five net team, when you've been number one in the net and you're a top five Kempom team, there's really only one discussion to have. You don't have the discussion, can you get better? The only conversation left to have is, can you be sustainable or, or get worse? And so as we're a 24-hour news cycle, you guys are trying to figure out something to talk about. And <laughs> you only have two options left because you can't get better. And so um, that's a fun place to be in. Um, every time you get somewhere, you know, in this journey through basketball life, um, you know, we've been places in the algorithm where BYU basketball has never been in, in, in the history of Ken Palm or the net. And... You know, you just take those things. That's not your goal, but you take them. You got to put them in your pocket. You're like, we did it. And now let's move on and try and do the next thing. And that's actually super satisfying. Um, it's really exciting for us. And, and so, that, you know, the, the, those, those numbers are really important uh, at the end of the season. Uh, we're there right now. And so the question is, um, can we keep growing and getting better in this new competition? And, and that's awesome. Like, you couldn't be in a better spot. The swaggy Mark Pope is with us on BYU Sports Station. At what point in the offseason did you first sit back and think, I think we could be special. I think we could be really good. Was there like a definitive moment or a week or something? When did that first kind of cross your mind like, whoa, our guys are pretty good? Well, you know, it's, it, listen, long-term projects are complicated. They're scary, right? It's in, 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 in sports, of course, there's no patience for it. Nobody has patience for it. And so um, I think we felt like we had a vision of where we we're going to go and, and, and you have a clear vision of what you're trying to become. And the question is like, how quickly do you kind of reach those steps, those new levels? How do you get there? And 
So I don't know if there was a, I, I think for, uh, for the, you know, for the last, I mean, I think we had such positive signs last season where we're like, okay, this is actually, we have a chance, this can work. I think our mindset was very different than maybe other people's mindset and the way we were reading the, the, what was happening. And, um, and then I think there were some steps this summer. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, our foreign tour, I think our practice, I felt were really good. I felt like we had guys, you could see progress in guys this summer. Um, you could see that Noah was kind of living in a new space, that he was kind of embracing stuff rather than kind of fighting some stuff. You could see that Jack's, like you could see the evidence of Jack's. I say this over and over and I still people don't, 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 don't think people understand how important it is, but Jack's going way out of his way to build relationships with guys on this team. Mm. Um, you know, you could see, uh, um, you know, guys like Richard Saunders' confidence rise. You could see uh, Dallin Hall like digging into his like whap, 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 uh, pull up. Uh, work off the bounce, right, which is a space where he's really, really grown his game. And I could keep going down the list, right? Um, Foos had a, you know, unfortunately he's been unhealthy for the last six weeks, but he had a fully healthy summer for the first time. You could see his progress. And and uh, these moments where we saw Dawson Baker, we, we haven't had him very much, but in the moments we saw him were great. And and then, you know, there's some stuff that happened new. Um, you know, like we never got to, to see Ali Khalifa until we kind of threw him in the game at North Carolina State. We really didn't get to see him in live Amazing. practice or live play. And, and so it's just been a building process and we still have so far to go. And this is kind of year two of a multi-year project. We still are in a, in a massive building phase, but um, it, it, you know, you do see all these little spots where it's pretty Your rewarding. team's ability to adapt on the fly is notable for sure compared to last year. Yeah, and it's, it's just guys, it's, it, but that's the only way you get to this is by doing that. Yeah. Like we all wish there was a magic pill. You guys are tired of me saying this, but there's no way to gain experience other than experiencing. There is no shortcut to yeah. this. And, and you just think about, um, you know, what this team has a chance to do next year in the sense of like, you know, because our experience is going to be double fold, right? And, and, um, and so that's the, it's, you don't get to do it in college athletics very much anymore. It's one of the things that makes BYU extraordinary is that, you know, we might have this little space where we actually get to build something, not just be something. Right now in college basketball, you just have to be something. You get one year to just be something. And, and um, we're, we're, we're trying to roll a little different, and it's a scary experiment, but it's sure been fun. So far, so good. Yeah. Okay, Cincinnati's interesting. 11-2. and two, They're seeking a quad one or quad two win. Yeah. 37 in net. They've mixed the lineup quite a bit. A couple of guys have been out, like Frederick and Bandago. Are you sure what you're going to get tomorrow in terms of lineup? Because they've yeah. mixed it quite a bit. Um, and they're not sure, right, in sense of, like, they're a little bit like us. We're going to kind of throw Foos in the mix, hopefully Saturday, and first time we've had these guys together. And they'll be a little bit in the same, in the same place where they're going to kind of hopefully have all their guys for the first time in the entire season. And they're good. Uh, this is a really good team. This is a talented team. This is a team that has not seen their best basketball by a mile. Um, and so, but, you know, like we're going to have the conversation, the same conversation with every single team we play in this league. And um, so the, I think the Cincinnati team is, I think they're put together in a really interesting way. Um, I think they have a chance to be really, really good. They played great basketball, obviously already being 11-2. and two And, and uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be an epic battle. Rebounding will be wild because yeah. they're two of the top uh, defensive rebounding teams. You yeah. prevent the other team from the offensive glass specifically. Yeah, and, and, and um, you know, again, you think about, um, 
Cincinnati, they haven't had their most important rebounding pieces together on the floor at the same time yet. That's a little bit terrifying. You're talking Reynolds and Bandego and Lockin. Yes, and 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 so you and so you look at them and and they're the number one defensive percentage rebounding team in the country, and they haven't even been at full strength. And, and that's number a, three. Yeah, it's a that's a huge that's a huge challenge for us because the offensive glass is wildly important to us. Like it is massively important the way we, we play this game and the way we attack this game. And so, um, I fully expect that you know tomorrow we're probably you know there's a chance we're not going to see a ton of success on the offensive glass in the first three minutes or seven minutes or fourteen minutes. For us, the key is can we be. What makes us special is we go every single time, every single possession, all game long. And at some point, there's a breaking point. At some point, this game breaks open on the offensive glass, and we're gonna have to be, we're gonna have to be so committed all night long, every single possession, to finally get to that, to finally earn that space where we kind of make some progress. And is a, you know, it's two of the best uh, statistically rebounding teams in the country tomorrow. And uh, come on, if you if you're a rebounding fan, come to the game, baby. <laughs> Let's, Let's go. go. Let's go. Yes, wedge. My two favorite <laughs> phrases from you are rebound and punch it. <laughs> I, I, I love punch it. Punch it, Chewy. <laughs> expect a lot of that tomorrow, Coach. Thanks for hanging out with us in Studio B. Appreciate Big 12 play. Let's, Let's go. Let's give some karma. Yeah, huh? All yeah. the karma we can give. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, hey, women's hoops in action as well. It's a doubleheader on uh, ESPN Plus. Big 12 now on ESPN Plus. BYU and I. Iowa State, 6 Eastern time on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio. And then later, BYU Cincinnati and Men's. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, Twitter, I refuse to call it X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We sleep in May, in the words of John Rothstein. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer, he is Jerry. We, we have children. We haven't been sleeping for years. <laughs> we sleep never. Yeah. <laughs> Let's roll out today's headlines. Number 12, men's basketball. Two days away from the Big 12 opener against Cincinnati. BYU number two in the net, number four in Ken Palm. Cincinnati number 37 in the net. Number 40 in Ken Palm. Pre-game coverage for Saturday's game begins at 9 Eastern on the BYU TV app and BYU Radio. BYU women's basketball lost their Big 12 home opener 75-63 to Oklahoma, the defending co-champions. Three years last in a night. row, Spence. Sooners never trailed in the game. They're 8-1 all-time against BYU now. Mm. Well, we'll take the football record. Yes. The Sooners held BYU to a season-low 29% shooting from the field. BYU was led by Lauren Gustin's. 13th double-double of the season. She had 15 points and 20 rebounds. Mm. BYU falls to 10 and 5 on the season. 0-2 in Big 12 play up next. A tough Iowa State team in Provo on Saturday at 6 Eastern, 4 Mountain ESPN Plus, Big 12 now. Niners linebacker Fred Warner and Rams wide receiver Puka Nakua are both headed to the Pro Bowl. Amazing. Warner has helped lead the Niners to the NFC best 12-4 record. Nakua helped the Rams secure a playoff spot, 101 receptions. 1,445 yards, five touchdowns this season. Incredible. Also, Zach Wilson rolled out for the Jets. Week 18, Gamus, he is still in concussion protocol. And Nick Mullins gets the start over Jaron Hall for the Vikings. Has what Puka Nakua has done in the NFL personified what BYU basketball as a team is doing <laughs> in their own realm? It kind of feels like that, right? In what way? Just exceeding expectations. Oh, like, yeah. Massively. Generally surprising and shocking. Yes. yes, yes. For sure. BYU men's volleyball. Ninth hey. in the preseason ABCA poll, so a top 10 team to begin. It's expanded to the top 20. Now it's not just 15 teams, it's the top 20. Right. 
Cougars open the season against 11th ranked Ball State Friday and Saturday, both live on BYU TV. This hey, is a our game sport. On, hey, a game on BYU this TV. This is our That's sport. Cool. Tion Taylor is a second team All-American on Off the Block's preseason All-America teams. He was second in the nation last year with 1.32 blocks per game, per set, I should say. Big 12 preseason poll is out for men and women's tennis. Uh, the men's team picked eighth out of eight, so they're gonna exceed expectations as well. Women's team ninth out of 14. The women's team currently in Hawaii at the moment, competing in the Weinman Foundation Invitation. BYU men's and women's swim and dive competing at the FIU Sprint Invite yesterday in Miami, Florida with the men's team winning the event. The women's team finishes second. The men's team led by Diego Camacho Salgado taking first or second in all eight of his events. That's great. domination. Great name. The women's team led by Tahis Ibanez, Hallie Williams, and Annie Richner, who each won their sprint event. Annie Richner is the granddaughter of Dave Rose. Brock Richner. Brock Richner's sister, right? Or no, wait. Brock Ritner, Richner's daughter. His daughter. It's his daughter? Mm -hmm. It's his daughter? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. We're old. Yep. <laughs> it is. Yeah. We're, we're, the rich nerd name continues on in BYU Athletics. You got the Avery Pope and you know Dave Rose. You got coaches, kids, and grandkids in. It's That's awesome, wild. Man. Those are today's headlines. Now some huh. opinions in the whip. Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Will you watch the Pro Bowl now that uh, Puka and Fred are in it? Yes, I will watch the skills competitions because Puka has a huge personality. He's so fun. I will be watching the Pro Bowl. You? I will not, but I watch the highlights on Twitter. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'll, I'm watch not it. That I'll probably watch it on demand. I'm not going to watch it live, but I'll watch it on demand for sure. You demand it and you get it. The Rams announcing they are starting Carson Wentz, speaking of Puka Nakua, for the regular season finale. Puka, mind you, needs four catches and 29 yards to break the NFL rookie receptions and receiving yards records. Are you concerned at all about Puka getting to those marks with a different starting quarterback in play? No, and thank goodness for the extra game, right? Otherwise, he doesn't set these records. But he's going to do it. The Rams are aware of it. They're going to get him the ball and get him this. You have Both to. Both these records. I, you have to. I'd be shocked if this doesn't happen. Target him 10 times or 12 times if it takes that to get him these records. Hopefully it only takes six, but yeah. But Zach Wilson ruled out in concussion protocol. Have we seen the last of Zach and the Jets here? Unless Aaron Rodgers puts down the hammer, yes. Well, Aaron's saying a lot of crazy stuff. Indeed, he is. He, <laughs> which is true to form, right? Yeah. I think, unfortunately, yes, this is the last time. Men's volleyball ranked number nine in the preseason ABCA poll. What are your expectations for Sean Olmstead's team this season? UCLA is the defending national champs. They return almost everybody. They're probably going to win the MPSF and probably the NCAA title because if you go back like five sets of years, meaning 10, every team that has won has won two in a row, the last like four or five. So UCLA is guaranteed to win the national title this year. <laughs> I, I predict that BYU will again take second in the league, Spencer. Okay. Yes. They return five of the seven starters. You lost the setter and the libero. You return all the pin hitters and middle blockers. I'm excited about this BYU team. I think they can make the tournament, Jerem, as the second place team in the conference. <sighs> they were first out last year. They're only two at large. So they got to be in a good spot. Last year, GCU got the bid over BYU. Yeah. yeah. Good luck to the Cougars. It begins against Ball State Friday Excited. and Saturday. Women's basketball seeks its first Big 12 win Saturday against Iowa State. You can watch that at 6 Eastern on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. Listen on BYU Ready. Up next, the leader up front for BYU football. In my opinion, the most underappreciated player on the team. Hey. Connor Pay is in studio to discuss his decision to come back for one more and what he expects from his new offensive line coach. This is BYU Sports Nation. 
Welcome back to our question of the day. ESPN's Basketball Power Index gives BYU, yes, BYU, the second best chance to win the Big 12 in men's basketball. Wild. Where do you expect Hang BYU to actually finish in the conference? Are you all blue goggles? Andy New Maniac on X says, Take it easy. Imagine never winning the WCC, then BYU wins the Big 12 year one. <laughs> Two laughing emojis. No. Data will happen, but it's a fun dream to have. It is, it is. I'm not worried about whether BYU wins the Big 12. I, in fact, if they do win one day in men's basketball, that's a bigger deal than football. Like, football, I believe one day BYU will win the Big 12. Men's basketball, I have a harder time believing that. But I'm not as concerned it's about that. easier I want to win to, it in football. I want to go to the tourney and win two games for just the third time in program history. That's what I want. Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated from Robert Choate on Facebook, who says, I say BYU goes 7-2 and two at home, 4-5 and five on the road, puts them at 11-7, and seven, and would have been tied for fourth place last year if they finished 11-7. Right, and seven. out of 10 teams, 14, hard to know. but Like, that'd be a top-five finish probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Whoa. It, it's going to be what, like, does the Big 12 winner have six losses, the regular season champ? Oh, man. Houston or Kansas, you would May think. Maybe. That many? Is Houston so good that they only lose four games? Maybe. And one of those is in football. <sighs> Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Congrats to Fred Warner, Puka Nakua, going to the Pro Bowl. That's pretty awesome. Fred, we expected Puka. That's awesome. It's outstanding. Well done, gentlemen. Our thanks to today's guest, CBS Sports' John Rothstein and BYU Football Center' Connor Pay. Both were awesome. Sorry to Dennis Pitt. I ran out of time. The conversation continues on X, I mean Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Mitch and Marcus Matthews. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your Friday headlines. Number 12, men's basketball hosts Cincinnati tomorrow. We're on to Cincinnati. In the Big 12 opener, let's go. 12-1 Cougs, number 2 in net. Cincinnati enters the game 11-2, number 37 in net. Ken Palm predicts a BYU win 81-70, 84% chance to win. You like that? You like that? I do like that. Pre-game coverage begins tomorrow night, 9 Eastern on the BYU TV app. In BYU Radio, BYU remains a three seed in Lenardi's latest bracketology. BYU women's basketball still searching for their first Big 12 win. Now 0-2 after losing most recently to Oklahoma. They get a shot at home against Iowa State tomorrow in the Marriott Center. Game tips at 6 Eastern, 4 Mountain. You can watch on the Big 12 now on ESPN Plus or listen live on BYU Radio as well. Cougars in the NFL, final week of the regular season. Puka Nakua in the Rams play Fred Warner in the Niners. Puka, four receptions, 29 yards away from the NFL rookie receiving records in those two. Tyler Algier and the Falcons play Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, and Daniel Sorensen in the Saints. Both the Falcons and the Saints are still live for the playoffs. Both teams could still win the NFC South with a win and a Bucks loss. Nuts. KVN and the Ravens play the Steelers Saturday. Ravens already locked up the one seed in the AFC. Jaron Hall, Kairos Tonga, and the Vikings play the Lions. Vikings can still make the playoffs with a win and some help. And Michael Davis and the Chargers play Andy Reid's Chiefs. The Chiefs clinched the AFC West last week. Let's keep it rolling with more Cougars in the NFL. Blake Freeland and the Indianapolis Colts host the Houston Texans. The Colts need a win, and they are in the playoffs. 
Chris Brooks and the Miami Dolphins host the Buffalo Bills, who are surging. The Dolphins can clinch the AFC East with the win there. Sione Takitaki and the Cleveland Browns take on the Cincinnati Bengals. The Browns already locked up their playoff spot last week. Zane Anderson and the Green Bay Packers play the Chicago Bears. The Packers can clinch a playoff spot with a victory. I need a Packers loss, though, and a Seahawks win. Dax Milne's commanders take on the Dallas Cowboys. And, oh, by the way, Zach Wilson ruled out for the New York Jets. He is still in concussion protocol. It feels like a long time that he's been in concussion protocol. Number nine men's volleyball opens the season with a two-game series against number 11 Ball State tonight and tomorrow at 9 Eastern on a channel called BYU Let's TV. Let's go! They own it! The Cougars are coming off a 19-7 season last year, returned five starters from last year's team. We'll chat with Mix Ramanis and Capone Brown next segment. BYU Gymnastics also opening their new season tonight in Las Vegas in the Mean Girls Super 16 Gymnastics Championships. <laughs> That's a fun sponsorship. <laughs> it's not a description, it's a sponsorship. The other teams competing in BYU session include Minnesota, Oregon State, and Southern Utah. Really, really high level competition there. Those are today's headlines. Now some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Marist, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Let's go Mean Girls version, shall we? Mean Dudes. Uh, Big 12 games this weekend. TCU at number two, Kansas. West Virginia at number three, Houston. 18th ranked Baylor at Oklahoma State. Iowa State at number 11, Oklahoma. UCF at Kansas State. Texas Tech at number 20, Texas. And of course, Cincinnati at number 12, BYU. What other game besides BYU's? catches your eye the most. 18th ranked Baylor at Oklahoma State. Why? Because BYU plays at Baylor on Tuesday. I'm all in on what the Bears are and what they can do on the road against a team they should beat. Oklahoma State is good. They're not great. They have not There's played great this year. They've struggled for sure, right? Yeah, they've struggled. What is Baylor at Oklahoma State? What do they look like? Because BYU gets the Bears on Tuesday. Yeah, I agree. Baylor is interesting. Iowa State at Oklahoma is probably the best game of the weekend in my opinion. Um, West Virginia, who's got the influx of Raekwon Battle and some other guys uh, out of the double transfer thing. They're a different team. They are, they are very different at number three, Houston. But give me home teams to win, except Baylor goes to Oklahoma State and, and probably wins. pulls that off. Okay. Arizona State, it's tough to win on the road. Utah knows the best after losing to the Sun Devils last night in men's basketball. So is this a double win for BYU somehow that Arizona State beat Utah because BYU's played both? Yes, you want that Arizona State win to get into the quad two space, uh, quad three space at the moment, I believe. So yeah, no, that was absolutely. It's Huge rare win. that Brigham Young University roots for the Devils, <laughs> but that's what happened last night. But when they're Sun Devils. When they're Sun <laughs> Devils, it's okay. Uh, yeah, let's get Arizona State uh, sub 100 in the net for sure. Beating Utah will certainly help with that. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. With BYU men's basketball opening up Big 12 conference play tomorrow, how ready do you believe the Cougars are to compete in the Big 12? David Hammond on X says, I feel BYU is ready, but we'll be getting a reality check. I do feel BYU will finish over 500 in conference play, but will struggle with teams like Kansas, Baylor, Houston, and Oklahoma. 12 and 6 in conference play would be a win for me. 12 and 6 would. What? What you can't say reality check and then go twelve and six. Twelve and Blue six. Would be like Blue a two seed in the NCAA Blue tournament. 
Blue goggle alert. Holy cow! Reality check in a positive way? Is hey, that what you meant I, by that? I like it. That's funny. Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Brian C. on Instagram. Much more prepared than last season, but despite the 12-1 yeah. start, we would be happy, fans, with a 9-9 conference record because it is the Big 12. I would expect BYU in, in uh, the WCC to go like 14-2 with this group right now. Which, who cares about that? <laughs> Today's rise and shout out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU athletics. The start of men's volleyball and gymnastics seasons, which the tournament, the competition, the gymnastics is in, the Mean Girl Super 16 or whatever. Yes. That is funny because yes. it's sponsored, it's not a description. Okay, don't get crazy. Let's go. Come on. Our thanks to today's guest, Mark Pope. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.